so today we're starting a brand new series, and probably the way that uh, you did, uh, I passed maybe eight or ten churches on the way to uh, to a service this morning who had church signs, you know, in their in their yard out by the road. And I think one of the worst things that's ever happened to the North American church is somebody invented signs that we put by the road uh, that has the ability to put new messages on it all the time. Have you ever? I think that's probably one of the worst things that ever happened. And now the standard to know that if you really have a church or not uh, is to have a sign where you can put messages on it and change the messages. And apparently whoever invented that system doesn't know very much about how churches work. But nevertheless, because it's like who's going to volunteer to come up with something real cool and put it on the sign and send a message to everybody. Now you probably passed some of those this morning, but what I thought I would do just to give you an example of how some of those church signs work it's just I brought a few of them this morning that we could look at uh, so you can kind of get a feeling of how that might go wrong. So here's our first uh, church sign. Get behind me, Satin. I'm just going to tell you, if we could get Satin, if we, could, if we could do exorcisms on Satin, that would be get Satin out of the world. Satin, how many of you believe Satin is what is wrong with the world today? Satin is out to get you, I promise you. Satin knows where you live. All right, let's do the next one. Love thy neighbor even, even if they, were, well, they are not a Tennessee fan. Okay. So apparently they have some college football issues up in their town where they live too. Right, let's do another one. Revival canceled due to death. I don't even know who died. What, the revival died? The church died? I don't know where to put that one. Here's one. God's love is unconditional. Except for one thing, as long as you are obeying Christ. You know, that one's funny and sad, because that's like really their theology. God's love is unconditional, except for the fine print. That's, that's too much. Don't let worries kill you, let the church help. <laughs> We're here to help. Just want you to know, at any point you feel overwhelmed by the stress of life, Come on in, we'll, we'll do you in. We'll go ahead and finish this thing. Do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. <laughs> now, now, I just want to say, I don't think the sign guy's totally innocent in that one. I don't, see how, I don't see how you put that up there completely innocently. You know what I'm saying? I think somebody's got a little axe to grind somewhere, and they just put it up there and played dumb. All right, women Bible stud. I don't know if it's ladies' night down at the church. I don't know what's going on over there, you know, with the women's Bible stud, but uh, that, one, that one scares me a little bit. All right, and then maybe here's one that you've seen, uh, Come Worship With Us. That's really the title of our series that we're starting. Come Worship With Us. How many of you have seen that somewhere? Yes, you've seen that in print somewhere? It's okay to raise your hand. How many of you have seen that somewhere? Yes, most of you. Come, come Worship With Us. Uh, you know, sometimes when you use a phrase... Too often, it loses its meaning, and I wonder if that's happened to that phrase. Like the word, for, for example, literally. I don't know if you know this, literally. Whatever literally means now in our culture, it doesn't mean literally. Uh, literally usually means exaggerated. Literally usually means anything but literal. Somebody says, you know, man, I, I'm, I'm so tired, my eyes are literally falling out. Literally? See, literally doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean what it used to mean. 
Or maybe the word legendary. He's legendary. Usually that means like he played a really good video game or he made a good shot. It usually doesn't mean we're going to be talking about this guy in a hundred years. Legendary's lost its meaning because of the way we use it. What about worship with us? What does it mean and why does it matter? And maybe we've used it so much, come worship with us, we've, we've lost the meaning of the phrase. Well, today and next Sunday, we're going to be talking about worship and what does the Bible say about worship and is private worship different than, than uh, public worship or corporate worship that we call it sometimes? Is, is there something unique that happens when we worship together? You know, technology and relational dysfunction and, and relational distrust have caused us to become a more introverted society. As a culture, we're becoming more introverted. But do we lose something when we don't worship together? So in this series, that's what we're going to be talking about is what happens when we worship together and, and what is worship? Uh, when we think of worship, we usually think of what we just did, singing. But is that all there is to it? You know, what, what is worship? Worship's one of those words that's so common. It reminds me of what St. Augustine said about time once. He said, when nobody asks me what it is, I know what it is. But when someone asks me what it is, I don't know what it is. And I feel that way about worship. Everybody knows what worship is until you say, what is it? It's the thing. <laughs> it's the deal. It's the stuff. And then it's hard to define. Vine's Dictionary of the Bible says, if you look up worship in Vine's Dictionary, it says there is no definition of worship in the Bible. There is no definition. So what I've done this morning is I've just drawn some examples and principles that we can find in Scripture to help us understand what worship is. The word worship in the Bible means to bow down before. I'm, in other words, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to bow down before. I'm, I'm going to lower myself so that I might acknowledge someone greater than I am. So if you're taking notes this morning, let me give you a couple of things to, to write down. What is worship? Here's the first thing. Worship is simply recognizing God. Worship is recognizing God. You know, you take a person who's maybe young in faith or new to Christianity or new to church or anything else, and you say, worship. I, I, like, what do I grunt? I grit my teeth? I don't, what does that mean? What does it mean? Isaiah 40, 12 through 18, I'm going to read six verses. And what I want you to listen for is the description that God has given of himself through the prophet Isaiah. Really, really powerful. And ask several questions. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Who's God's counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Where did he get all this knowledge? And who taught him the right way? How does God know right from wrong? Who, who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Where does he get wisdom? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket they are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands 
as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires. That's where uh, a lot of the wood came from to construct altars is from the, uh, the forest of Lebanon. Nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. Now look at verse 18. Here's the verse I want us to focus on. With whom then will you compare God? Given all of this reality that nobody counsels God, nobody instructs God, nobody teaches God right from wrong. He knows nobody gives God power. Nobody gives God influence. No, nobody does this. With whom then will you compare God? What image will you liken Him? The last question is a powerful question. Who will you compare God to? If you and I were talking about basketball, we could compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan. If we're talking about baseball, we could compare uh, uh, Barry Bonds with Hank Aaron. Or football, the sheriff, Peyton Manning with Tom Brady. uh, In movies, we could compare Denzel Washington with Will Smith. Or if we're talking about comedy, we could compare Jimmy Fallon and Jay Leno. If we're talking about politics, we could compare Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. But when it comes to God, who do you put up next to him and say, Well, you know, they're a lot like God. Nobody's like God. God has a category by himself. And that's what scripture teaches. Who are you going to compare to God? God is the only one who can make a a donkey speak. He's the only one who can uh, part an entire body of water and a million people walk across on dry land and then let the water cascade back in. He's the only one that can walk on water. He's the only one that can heal the sick. He's the only one that can raise the dead. He's the only one that can multiply fish and loaves. He's the only one I know that can make a hateful person a loving person. I don't know anybody else that can do that. He's in a category by himself. How many of you God has done something in your life and when you saw it, when you look back on it, you realize... Only God could do that. How many of you would say, I see moments in my life only God could do? I like to say it in these two simple words, only God. Only God. Nobody else. Worship is recognizing that God has no equal. He has no, he has no companion. He has no com- comparative. And it's bowing down to Him. And the Bible says, I must decrease and he must increase so let's talk about that for a minute worship is me decreasing and God increasing that's what worship is it's me surrendering and submitting so to recognize that God has no equals no equal what I do is I begin to let go of my preferences I am decreasing I let go of my desires I am decreasing I let go of my to-do list you know what am I going to do when this is over I let go of the the, um, the unconscious conversation that happens in the back of my brain where I'm trying to solve problems and do things and move on to the next thing, I let that go. I let go my fears. I, I'm decreasing. I let go my worries. I'm decreasing and he is increasing. So I, in that exchange, I decrease and I surrender those things to him and I acknowledge him and I say, God... There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. Here's how, here's how I do it oftentimes. And maybe, maybe this will help you in your own worship. 
when, I, when, when my mind is full and, and overloaded and I have trouble focusing or I have trouble surrendering or I have trouble decreasing, what I, what I remind myself of is this. I say, you know, God, there's no problem that's greater than you. There's no challenge that I'm facing that's bigger than you are. So I let that go. And on the other hand, I say, and you know, there's no joy in life greater than you. I'll never have an experience fun enough, enjoyable enough, satisfying enough, big enough, pleasurable enough that is better than you. You are the best joy. You are the greatest joy. And so I remind myself of that to say, you are God. There's no joy that's greater. There's no problem that's bigger. So I surrender those things this morning. You, you can tell, as I said earlier, when God is doing renewal because worship intensifies and people become more hungry for His presence. Now, you and I can't work up God's presence. It's not like a, a potion, an incantation, a formula. You just add this plus this and you got God's presence. It's not, it's not a magic trick. We don't, we don't work up, we don't stew up, we don't brew up. But what we do is recognize and acknowledge. We recognize His greatness. We recognize His power. We recognize His love. We say, look, God is here. And worship is recognizing that. Not bringing it. I don't have the ability to bring. I don't have the ability to, to, to manipulate God's presence. But I can acknowledge that He is ahead of me and He's already here. So God is near and He's far and He's mysterious, but He's approachable. He's awesome, but He's easy to love. Worship is when we recognize God. Here's the second thing. Worship is also responding to God. I, I think when we're young in faith, we all have the same experience. We tend to think, I don't know how you were when you got saved, but when I got saved, what I wanted to know is what does God want from me? Like what does God want me to do? Like now that I'm a Christian... What are the rules? <laughs> what's the responsibility? What's, what's God expect from me now that I'm a Christian and I'm telling everybody I'm a Christian? What am I supposed to do? And here's how I think most of us experience, if not all of us, uh, a lot of the kingdom of God when we're young in faith. We think that we are the initiators. I did this and I did that and I decided that I was going to you know, do this. I, we think that spiritual things happen when we initiate them. But as we grow and as we mature in faith, we realize that God is the one who initiates every spiritual moment in our life. We just respond. Every impulse that you have to do right, every idea that pops in your mind to reach out to someone else, every moment of inspiration that you and I feel, every good inclination that you and I have, every kind thought that enters our mind was initiated by God. We didn't come up with good. We didn't come up with righteous things. We didn't come up with those. We can only respond to them. All of that comes from Him. He's the one that's leading and I'm following. And worship it, it, it happens exactly like that. So we tend to think about worship as something that we do, something that we give God, something that we've decided. But in in the heart of the very best moment of worship that you and I have ever experienced in our entire life, the best we have to bring is a response. I'm responding 
to what God has initiated. Uh, we used to say it like this. How many of you remember this phrase, call to worship? How many of you ever heard that phrase? You ever heard that phrase, call to worship? This is our call to worship. And what that usually meant is inside a worship service somewhere, somebody would read a scripture from Psalms or somewhere else and say, this passage is our call to worship. And what they meant, what they were saying was, this is what God, this is how God is calling us to worship today. Will you worship? Will you respond? And so that's the whole idea. God calls, God invites. The question is not, is God calling me? The question is, can you hear him? Can you hear him call? Can you hear the invitation? Can you feel the draw? Can you feel the pull? Are you aware that God is in the room? Are you aware that he's present and he's inviting you to respond? He's inviting you to acknowledge him. He's inviting you to, to recognize him. He's the one here initiating and moving and calling and stirring. and He's involved. But when we're unaware of that... Nothing happens. Nothing. If you can hear God calling you, then you can respond. You can, you can acknowledge Him. You can recognize. See, worship's not about what we do. Worship's about our response to God. Worship isn't a feeling. You know, sometimes people say, man, I'm going to go and I'm going to get my worship on. I'm going to get my worship on. Like it's a switch that you flip. What about God's calling you? You're not driving this. I'm not driving this. I'm just responding to what God is saying. Worship is not the part of the service when we sing. Worship is our response to His presence. So, worship is recognizing God and responding to Him. So, here's the question. Is worshiping together different than worshiping alone? Well, I, I, I think it is. There was a time in our culture, I want to I use this image because I, I think it's easy to see and remember. There was a time in our culture when the wind was at our back. The systems of our culture, the schedule of our culture, all in, not all, but mostly encouraged us to worship, encouraged us to find a good place to worship, to find a house of worship. In politics, you could rarely be elected anywhere if you weren't a church member somewhere. Why? What's that about? Because the way our culture was organized, it, it, the wind was at our back. The wind pushed us toward that. But as our society becomes more anti-Christian, as our society continues to move away from God, all those systems and all those schedules are changing. All the culture, now the wind is at our face. Our culture is not encouraging us to worship. Our culture is not encouraging us to respond to God or to recognize God or even believe that He exists. Our culture is blowing, the wind is turned and the wind is blowing in our face and it is picking up speed. And now we are walking like this against the wind. We are walking with great, with great resistance. And all the systems of our culture are changing to resist because our culture has turned its back on God. And when that resistance boils up into a fever pitch, you're going to see persecution in America. You're, you already see just little shadows. 
Not anything. Look, we know missionaries all over the world. Not anything like missionaries in other countries. Don't even dare compare what we've experienced yet to what many of them experienced. It's not even in the same category. But it is increasing and it will continue to increase. Because every time a culture turns its back on God, it ends up trying to stamp out the light. And that's what's happening. Think about, think about how our culture is working today. Jobs require that we work uh, on Sunday during times of worship. Even now, some of you have been here uh, wrestling, tug-of-warring in your mind, trying to pay attention, trying to be involved. But the truth is, you know you got emails stacking up on your phone, and you got people waiting for you to respond today. That's the reality. That's the reality that we live in. Schools now require events on Sundays. Sports teams play games and practice on Sundays and Wednesdays. And we have entire families in our church we haven't seen in two years. Because their kids go from one sport to another, to another, to another, to another, to another. And, and that eats up all the time. The, the wind is blowing in our face. It is not at our back. And, and, and there's no sacred space for worship. When our culture turned its back on God, it found other things to do. And now that fills up everything. So back to the question. Is private worship the same as public worship? Is uh, worshiping alone the same as worshiping with the body of Christ? Can't I just listen to worship music on the radio in the car on the way to work? Can't I just catch up on the sermon on podcast? Well, yes, you can. And it, it will impact your soul. But it's not the same. It's not the same as the body of Jesus gathering together. Let me show you in Matthew 18, 20. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There's something different about worshiping together than just worshiping alone because God's plan is not to have individuals in his family but to have communities of faith. God engages us in relationship not just to Him, but in relationship to each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what's the other one? Love your neighbor as yourself. I can only fulfill half of the greatest commandment by myself. There's something powerful that happens when we come together. Spiritually, something happens when we come together and recognize and respond to God. Man, did you feel that moment when we were singing, Jesus paid it all? Man, did you feel that just resound in your soul? Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. And when we clapped and when we sang, there was something spiritual going on in my soul and yours that was powerful. So what does worshiping together look like? We sing and we pray the same thing. And there's a power in that shared proclamation. We receive God's love and grace when we pray for each other. We share communion together and we remember Jesus' death. We share water baptism together and we celebrate resurrection power and new life. With one heart we ask God for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we hear God speak to our hearts and we hear the same thing. There's a confirmation when we pool together and we send missionaries to to, uh, reach another culture of the world. When we raise money to build a church somewhere else. When we pool our money together to touch and to reach our, our, our local county here, Shelby County. 
After reaching out, here's an exciting moment. When we witness our friends and family find forgiveness in Jesus. A couple weeks ago when Pastor Joel stood here and baptized his neighbor. Man, that is a moment. That is a powerful moment. You can't say God's not in that. He's there. He's present. And all of this happens, listen, for one reason. This is what I want you to get this morning. What's underneath all of that? Is it, is it a certain song? Is it an order of service? Is it a certain sermon? Is it a certain person? No, 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 no. All that happens for one reason. God's presence. Now think about this with me. Without God's presence, we just sing our songs. Without His presence, we do things our way. Without His presence, we just say our words. Without His presence, this is just our meeting. And as such, it's no different or no more important or no more valuable than any other meeting in the world. It's the same. It's just another human function. But God fills His people when we gather together. And what makes this meeting different than every other meeting on earth is God has filled His church with His presence. And that makes it different. And that also means that anything's possible. Anybody can be healed. Anybody can be free. Anybody can be saved. Anybody's mind can be changed. Any hard heart can can soften. Anything can happen. That makes this meeting different than any other meeting on earth. So how do we recognize God God and respond to Him? Well, look. We have people that visit our services every week. Every week, every week, every week. Trust me, trust me, trust me. We have non-Christians. We have baby Christians. We have agnostics sometimes. We have atheists sometimes. I get communications sometimes. from. Sometimes I don't even know they're here. Somebody will tell me six months or a year later. We have people here every week for the very first time. It's the first time you've maybe ever been to a church, been to this church, been to a church in this city, been to a church in this state. And, and here's what, what do you do? What do you do when that's where you are? How do you recognize God? How do you respond to Him? Sit, stand, watch. It's okay to watch. It's okay to listen. It's, it's, it's okay to just participate on the level that you're on. Meet someone new. Fill out a guest card and let us know you're here. We, we welcome that. We welcome you. And, and if, you're, if you are new to Kingwood or you haven't been in Kingwood long, let me tell you two things that will absolutely revolutionize your worship experience. One is start, uh, find a place to serve with the strengths that God has given you. It will change the way you worship. Because you, you are serving with what God has given you. You are serving out of who God made you. The other one is find a life group. And we can help you with both of those. You can go to our website and we can help you with both of those. When you find relationships, I, I don't have time to tell you this story. There's a story. Uh, a young lady came into our church and had, a, had one experience. And when she found relationships and she found community and she found a life group, I asked her. She's crying telling me the story. I asked her, how did that change your experience in Kingwood Church? Here's what she said. It changed everything it changed the way I worship it changed the way I thought about coming to church on Sunday it changed the way I got ready it changed my entire mindset because I'm not alone doing this I'm part of the community of faith 
Now, what, what do you do if this, is your, if this is your church home? How do you recognize and respond to God? Well, here's a big way. Realize uh, every week, this is a big, big, big value for us as a church. Realize that you're not an audience. Like I know the room is built in a way that it could, you could easily feel like you're an audience. Because this is the way we sit when we go to sporting events or when we go to movies. Or we, go to, we all kind of sit single file like this, line, 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 all facing the front. And, and that's the way our culture works. And it can feel like that we're an audience watching and everything that's really important is happening up here. But that's not at all how the Bible describes worship. There's only one person in the audience in New Testament worship. It's God. God's in the audience. He's the only one watching. And we are all, I don't, I don't mean the negative words, we are all worship performers. We are all worship givers. We are all engaged. We are all part. We all have a role to play. And our role is to recognize and respond to him. To lift his name up and worship and honor him. And so if this is home, man, I want to say to you, there has to be a day when you kind of cross the line and say, you know what, God is calling me and God is inviting me and I want to acknowledge him and I want to recognize him. So we sing. One of the things that I like to do on Saturdays, I don't do it every week, but most weeks, is I'll go on our website and I'll find we put every month the worship songs we're going to sing all month. Now, we're not going to sing them all every week, but we put them on there. So what I do is I just go and listen through the list. When I'm walking or doing something else, I let that list play. I want to know the songs. I want to be familiar. I sing them because you wouldn't come if I sang them here, so I sing them at home. I sing them and I worship and I, I let that sink down deep in my soul. So when I get here, I'm ready to worship with you. I'm ready. My heart has been prepared. You can, you can give God your undivided attention. God, what are you saying to me today? Giving is a way we worship. God, today I recognize that you that nobody compares to you. So I bring my money to you because I know nobody compares to you and nobody can do with it what you can do with it. And so I recognize you today. Welcoming others. The Bible says, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. And so the way that we relate to each other, the way that we welcome and make room for other people, prayer. Every week we have a time of prayer at the end of service. And the reason that we do that is because it is our opportunity to respond to what God's presence has said. What did God's presence say? What did God say to you? What did God do? What is God wanting? What is God inviting from you? What is God, what is God moving you, nudging you toward? That's an opportunity for you to say, I respond, God. I'm not, because when we watch, we don't change. But when we engage, we change. When we respond, there's not one good change that has ever come in my life without me engaging. <laughs> I, I have a role. I have a part to play. And, and so do you. And so, and so we said, hey, come and worship together. And the way that you and I can respond, the way that you and I can recognize God is to sing and to pray and to give God our attention, to ask God, what are you saying to me in my life? My mind goes back to last October uh, in a soak service. It was such a powerful night that night. And there was a 30-year-old guy there named Daniel Headley. Some of you remember Daniel. And he, he stood right here on the front row. And he stood there with his hands up like this. 
And he just stood that way, minute after minute after minute after minute, with his eyes closed, and you could see his mouth moving. He was singing, and he was praying. And when Daniel came to us, if you don't know his backstory, when Daniel came to us, uh, he had a lot of problems. He was probably further away from God. When his dad first came to me and said, would you pray with me about my son? He was probably further away from God than anybody I've ever personally known. I mean, he was, he was gone. He wasn't just away from God. He was on purpose moving as far away from God as he could. And there was a lot of problems in his life. He'd gone through years of rebellion and, and drugs and mental health issues. And he was uh, practicing regularly in the occult. And his parents loved him. And, and faithfully showed their love for him and prayed for him. And even after he became a Christian, he told several of the pastors in our church that he never felt God's presence. Like he said, I know, I know it's the right thing to follow God. I now know that I was going the wrong way. I know that. I intellectually know that. And so I've given my life to God. But I've never felt God's presence. I've never registered that anywhere. I've never felt that, that sense that we all... Most of us probably have some recollection of. He just followed God because he learned God was real. And that October night when he stood right here and his hands in the air, he didn't have his hands in the air because he felt anything. He had his hands in the air just because he wanted God. He made a decision that he wanted God. And, and on that night, one of our pastors who didn't even know who he was went over and prayed for him. And God's presence overwhelmed and filled his life in that minute. Now, here's what I want you to hear. This is how Daniel described it. He said, all I know is that for the first time in my life, I felt God's presence. I felt something dark and ugly leave me and some kind of light fill me. I felt joy for the first time. I felt like I was clean for the very first time. The songs we were singing suddenly made sense to me. The Holy Spirit filled me, and now I am free. Those are Daniel's words. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. After that night, everything in Daniel's life changed. His hunger for God grew. His faith soared. And unfortunately, in less than six weeks, his life took an unexpected turn. Six weeks after that, he had a heart attack. And, and, and Daniel died and went to heaven. Now... <laughs> That was an incredibly difficult time for his family. Incredibly difficult time. Painful time. Painful time for those of you who knew him close, who prayed for him, who loved him, who reached out to him. But there's one thing I want you to see. God's presence was the only thing that could do that in him. There is no other answer. There was no drug. There was no gimmick there was no method there was no system there was no plan God's presence was the only thing that could do that in his heart so basically here's what we do every Sunday every Sunday we really only do a couple things we come together and we say hey God is here God is here when you feel him and when you don't, when you have a good day and when you have a bad day, when your friends aren't here and they're all at the beach having fun and you're here anyway, whatever is happening, God is here. And we're encouraging you to recognize him. And the other thing we say is, now respond. What is God doing and saying? So 
this morning we're gonna we're gonna sing a song and we're gonna worship I want to ask you to stand with me and this is how we want to end this service this morning every every discipleship group I've ever led we always do a transition we always do a transition time of prayer in the in the beginning because here's what happens our minds get filled with so many thoughts and so many conversations and so many other things and it's hard for us man we live in a attention span is very low mine is very low we live in a challenging time but there has to be a way for us to recognize God and respond so here's what we're going to do as we sing this song I just want to show you how I do that and I want to I want to help you do that and then I want to encourage you to do that every time every time your your heart thinks of it every time you come to worship every time you have a prayer time on your own you can do this transition and it helps you it helps you and so here's what we simply do would you just close your eyes with me and I'm just gonna guide you in prayer Lord today I lay down every distraction God right now I block out of my mind what's gonna happen when this service is over and what's next and the emails that are waiting for me and the things that are waiting for me Lord I block all of those things out I lay them down I lay down the stress of my life the pressure the decisions I've got to make that I don't know how I'm going to make them yet, I lay that all down. I separate myself from it. And right now, I recognize you. Nobody compares to you, Lord. There's no problem greater than you. There's no joy better than you. So, Lord, right now, I give you my focus. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I love you with everything that I have. Lord, right now, I worship you. Just with your own voice, would you begin to just say words of love and adoration to Him? God, I love you and I worship you. He is here. He is in the room. He is present. So, Lord, we worship you this morning. We worship you this morning. We praise you, bless you, acknowledge you, worship you. You are good. Worship you this morning. Come on and just worship you. God, I worship you. Every problem melts away. Every challenge melts away. God, I worship you today. I give you my focus.
Here in your prayer.